matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Find the Savior. Find Yeshua HaMashiach. Find the truth on Solace Radio. Last week, you'll remember that we got to uh, Revelation chapter 17, and we got to verse 7, and we were just taking a look at verse 7, and <clears throat> what we're doing, men and women, is we're... we're dissecting thought for thought, word for word, phrase for phrase, everything in this cryptic picture, okay? Can, can we all agree that Revelation chapter 17 is a cryptic picture of an end-time entity called Babylon and another end-time entity that's referred to as a, a great beast that has seven heads and ten horns? And it's a cryptic description of all this, or a parable, if you please, a parable, okay? To, <clears throat> to help us to gain insight. And we're, we're looking very carefully, you know, phrase for phrase, thought for thought, thought for thought, and dissecting this thing so that we won't jump to wrong conclusions. If we don't know what's basically being said, we're going to jump to wrong conclusions. And we know we don't want to do that. So last week we had gotten down to verse 7. And the angel had said to John, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. And remember, we've looked at that, <clears throat> this beast with seven heads and ten horns. We've looked at it in, in the, uh, seven heads and ten horns. We've looked at it in the book of Daniel. We've looked at it in the book of Revelation in chapter 13. And today we're going to look at it very closely and we're, we're going to identify it today. Positively identify it today. So I hope you'll enjoy the study and, and uh, be ready. Okay. <clears throat> the angel asked John a very important question. He says, why do you marvel, John? And it's the Greek word, thalmazo. And it means to wonder or to marvel. And then he says, why are you marveling? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her. That's a tricky word right there, that word carry. That word, that and, and the next verse has probably led more people to conclude that, well, that has to be the Catholic Church. But let's look closely at the word first and in the meaning. Okay? It means to bear what is burdensome. Huh, that's interesting, isn't it? We, we, we don't look at it in that connotation. So if we, he, we read this, he says, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that's burdened with her. This, this woman is a burden to the beast, okay? Now, as we've, as we've been doing this study, we've been, you know, dissecting the verses, and then we go over to another sheet and we summarize. And so let's go read our summary of that verse on our summary sheet, and let me get to it. <clears throat> okay, the angel. In verse 7, seems to be chiding at Yochanan or John. He seems to be saying this will be the object of great judgment, hardly a thing to be amazed at. We see also that the woman is burdensome to the beast. In fact, so burdensome that in Revelation chapter 17, verse 16, she is laid waste, made, uh, made naked, her flesh is consumed and burnt with fire. And that's just how burdensome she is. So when it says that she's, it says that this beast is carrying this woman, this woman is burdensome to the beast. Don't don't lose sight of that, please, okay? So that's where we got to last week. So now we're ready to jump off into <clears throat> into this week's study. So get back to our verses. Now, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to explain this to you. The, the, the angel just said, why did you marvel, John? He said, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. So in cryptic language, in a parable form, he's going to explain some very important things that we need to be sure that we've got a grip on. Because I'm telling you, there's there's people nowadays that are saying that uh, <clears throat> Saudi Arabia is Babylon. They're saying they've given up the prices of gas, therefore they control the kings of the earth, therefore they must be Babylon. And just 
all kinds of crazy stuff, but we have all these clues from the Old and the New Testament, and whatever we, we choose to try to, to, whatever hand we try to stick in this glove, all the clues have to fit. Not one can miss. So using that little simple rule, if all the clues fit, then, hey, we must be pretty close, huh? But <clears throat> we're going to see some very amazing things. Let's read the verse. It says, The beast thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, what do we already know about the beast from the earlier earlier parts of the chapter? It has how many heads? Seven. It has how many horns? Ten. All righty. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13, and let's read verses 1 through 9. Are you ready? I'm going to be reading from the King James. It doesn't matter what you read from. You're going to come to the same conclusion. I've read this in 15 different versions. <clears throat> Here we go. Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. This is John speaking. He says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. It's the same beast. And upon his head ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seed and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. So and we, we can very plainly see that's the same beast in Revelation chapter 13 as we've been studying in Revelation chapter 17. Keep in mind, this beast and this woman, I mean, why don't he just give, why don't he just give us clues about the woman? Because we, we'll never get a grip on who the woman is until we understand who this beast is. All right, let's go to Revelation chapter 17, verses 12 through 14. Revelation 17, verses 12 through 14. Give you time to get there. <clears throat> Reading from the King James. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received the power as king one hour with the beast. These have one mind and give their power and strength unto the beast. They shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. What do we just learn right there? That this kingdom gets destroyed by who? The Messiah. So we know it's the last one, don't we? We, we can say unequivocally now it's the last power on earth because it gets destroyed by, by the Messiah. Alrighty, let's go to Daniel chapter 7 now. Daniel chapter 7. We're going to read about the same beast. We're going to see... Clues that tie it together that prove to us it's the same entity. It's the same thing. It's the same world power. Daniel chapter 7. Give you a second. Get there. Give me a second. Get there. Daniel chapter 7 first. Let's read verses 7 and 8. Now Daniel's having this vision. He's seeing these different beasts. So verses 7 and 8 of chapter 7 of Daniel, he says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, 
It had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the other beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Alrighty. So we're starting to get a glimpse of who this is and what it is. I considered the horns. And behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in his, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and the mouth speaking great things. Well, that's, that's quite unusual. Let's slip on down to verses 23 through 27 of chapter 7. Verses 23 through 27. And a messenger has come to explain to Daniel what the vision's about. Starting in verse 23. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of that kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and, and the dividing of time, but the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom unto the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. What do we already see? That this kingdom represented by this beast is destroyed by who? By the Messiah. And he sets up his kingdom on earth. This here again, unequivocally and undoubtedly, is a cryptic, picture, if you please, a parable, if you please, describing the last dominant power on earth, and it gets destroyed by the Messiah. So there's no doubt it's the same thing as in, in Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 17. All right, now let's go to Daniel chapter 8, read verses 21 through 26. Now, we've learned a lot. I hope, I hope you were paying attention. This thing starts out as how many, as an entity of how many kings? Ten. Something happens, three of them fall, they get plucked up by the roots, not just flipped in the air or kicked from the sea of the britches, but plucked up by the roots, and it becomes how many? Seven. Alrighty? So, pay attention, that, that, that's real important to remember. So, this thing's gonna, this thing's gonna go forward under the control of this man called the Antichrist, the Anti-Messiah, as how many kings? For how long? We've learned all that already now. I want you to be thinking and figuring that out. Because we were told very plainly. Let me get my pointer back here. All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 8, verses 21 through 26. Daniel 8, 21 through 26 first. Here we go. I'm going to try to cover a little more ground tonight if I can. Okay, it says, be sure I'm in the right chapter. <clears throat> and the rough goat is the king of Grecia. Your translation might say Greece. King James says Grecia. Of course, we know that's Greece. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now that being broken... Whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of, the, out of the nation, but not in his power. And in the latter time of their kingdoms, when their transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many, and he shall stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And the evening, and the vision of the evening and the morning, which was told, is true. Wherefore, shut up thou the vision, for it shall be for many 
day. So what just happened in that verse? We saw him get destroyed in verse, uh, 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 the last part of verse 25. It says, and he shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Why? Because the Messiah destroys him. The same, it's a cryptic picture. It's a parable, if you please, describing the same kingdom, that last kingdom on earth. We've got all this information here. These verses, these verses, these verses, these verses, these verses. And we're given all these clues. And if we carefully write down all those clues that we're given, it's almost impossible. Men and women, it's almost impossible to tag it on the wrong individual. All these folks running around saying, oh, it's uh, it's uh, this Muslim entity or that Muslim entity or it's Saudi Arabia. They haven't take the, taken the simple time just to sit down and read all these verses and write down all the clues that he's given us to solve this riddle, to solve this mystery. It is important that we do that. Very important. Okay, last couple of verses. <clears throat> Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to be going backwards now in the book of Daniel. Go back to chapter 2. Let's read verses 31 through 34 of Daniel chapter 2. You'll remember in this part of the book of Daniel that the kings had a dream, and Daniel interprets the dream for him. So, let's read it. Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 34. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, the feet part of iron and clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out, of the, cut out without hands, and smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. So what's this, a, a cryptic, if you please, or a parable picture of? Of the Messiah destroying that last days, that end time uh, entity, that's, it's the last dominant power on earth. And <clears throat> this hand that's, that's carved out of the mountain without, without, or this stone that's carved out of the mountain without hands that hits it on the feet, its feet and destroys it, is a picture of the Messiah destroying that kingdom. Let's go to verses 42 through 44 and get the interpretation. Isn't this wonderful? He gives us his prophecy, and he gives us the interpretation. We, we shouldn't we shouldn't wind up in left field. We shouldn't wind up, uh, you know, over in the creek laying down, face down, drowning to death. He, he, he explains it. Verses 42 through 44. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. So every... As we studied this, we found out that each of those metals, the head of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the stomach and thighs of brass, the legs of iron, the feet of iron and clay represented a different kingdom. So each metal, each different metal, represents a different kingdom. That's not hard to see, is it? Already so. Let's keep going. And whereas thou sawest in verse 43, iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. It's another picture in different parable-like or cryptic language of the same thing. That last, that end times dominant kingdom is destroyed by the Messiah, and he sets up his kingdom. That's what we want. That's good. Man, that, that's when life is real good, when he sets up his kingdom, and we're here serving him. We're in the land serving him, walking with him. So we've got all these verses here, all these verses that's describing the same thing right this angel just said. So let's read what he said one more time. The beast <clears throat> that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. 
And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not, yet is. Okay? So, let's start just prayerfully looking and thinking about this thing. The beast, very clearly, represents the final dominant power on earth. And very clearly we see that that there will be a revival of an offshoot of the Roman Empire. Who was the head of gold? The Babylonians. Who was the chest and arms of silver? The Medo-Persians. Who was the stomach and thighs of brass? You tell me. The Greeks under Alexander the Great. Who was the legs of iron? Rome. The Roman Empire. In, in Rome, Italy. And then we see these feet with these ten toes of iron and clay. It didn't say gold and clay. It didn't say silver and clay. It didn't say brass and clay. It said iron and clay. And it gave us the further explanation that as you can't make iron and clay really bond together and be strong, that's kind of the way this kingdom's going to be. So as we start looking, we need to look for what? Because of the iron is the, the fact that it has, it's made of iron is the giveaway. What do we need to start looking for? Some sort of a Roman looking thing, right? We don't need to go to Saudi Arabia. We don't need to go to Iran or any of those other places where, where folk nowadays are saying that, uh, uh, some of these places are, are Babylon. I got on the internet the other day and was just looking to see what some of the popular ideas are now. And if they would just read, if they would just read all these verses right here, read all these verses because it's talking about the exact same thing and just write down the, the clues that were given, it wouldn't be that hard. So can we find, do you think we can find some kind of an offshoot of the Roman Empire and see if there is, re, is really a for real, actually historical entity that used to be but has faded out and right now is not, but could be reestablished and was an offshoot of the old Roman Empire. Is that a fair question, isn't it? Well, let's just see if we can find something like that. Let's take a look. And we've, we've done this before at this ministry here. I hope I can get off. No, I can't. Man, oh man. You'll have to bear with me. I'm going to have to reduce this so I can get the whole thing up here. Still don't have it all up there. Oh, man. I was counting on being able to get it all up here. Well, anywho. This <clears throat> this is a, a list of the Holy Roman Emperors, and it starts right here in 800 with a man named Charlemagne, and he ruled a thing called the Holy Roman Empire from 800 to 814, and basically it's Western Europe, where we're all from. Okay, that that's most folk I see in here. We're all from Western Europe. This is our great 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 grandpappies and grandmammies here. Alrighty, now look cl- look closely at this. It started out with Charlemagne, and the next guy was Louis the Pious right here. He was from uh, 814 to 840. The next one is the later Carolinians, and then the last guy here was Henry the Fowler, and he was from 919 to 936. And right here, something unusual happens in the next line. And this is in this is in year date order. It says the Saxon line. Wow, that's interesting. And then we have the Franconian line here. Still progressing year by year. Then we have the Hohenstaufen line. And then right below that we have <coughs> rulers from various houses. And then we get on over to about uh, 1347 with a guy named Charles I. And that's the Luxembourg line. And then we get on down to about 1438 with Albert II. And we have the Habsburg line. And what happened in this Holy Roman Empire is that certain families became the dominant ruling family. Okay, don't forget that. Now, they became the dominant ruling family. And so 
since everybody in Western Europe is cousins anyhow, it, it really a lot of times was like a family squabble. Look right, uh, let me find it, right uh, under the Hohenstaufen line, right here. I know you can't see it. Right there, that says rival claimant, rival claimant. Let me read you the, the names and the dates. Okay, from 1198 to uh, 1208, uh, Philip of Swabba Rival was the, was the king of this Holy Roman Empire. But from 1198 to 1214 was Otto IV, and he was a rival claimant. So within these families, there was all this squabbling going on. But the, here's the amazing thing, men and women, as the Europeans themselves, not us, look at this. They consider each of these family lines here, each of these family lines as a kingdom, okay? This was a kingdom right here of the Franconian line. This was a kingdom here of the Saxon line. This was a kingdom here of the Hohenstaufen line. This was a kingdom up here of the Luxembourg line. And the last one here is the Hapsburg line. Okay? Well, let's follow it down. Now, don't forget that, that kingdom or, or, or like a line of power, if you please. We get down to the Hapsburgs here, which started in uh, 1438 with Albert II. And it ended, it just kind of, just kind of stopped. You know, like somebody just hit the pause button. In 1806, a guy named Francis II ruled from 1790 to 1806 as the Holy Roman Emperor in this, in this Western Europe with many different kings and queens in their own little land because there was all this rush to the new world. Oh, we've discovered the new world. And so they just, it just kind of stopped, kind of stopped. So it used to be, and right now it ain't. Okay. But it could very well come back. And if it did, it would be the most power, it would be the consolidated power of all of Western Europe. All the money powers, all the banking powers, uh, you name it, would be come together very quickly. So, yeah, we got something that's, that's, it, it comes from that old Roman Empire. We, we were given that clue because of the, of the, the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. And it used to be, and right now it's not, but it could come back pretty quick and easy, couldn't it? Wow, that, that's pretty amazing. So let's keep going then. This thing back up where you can see it. So if we try to, uh, Fit that riddle to uh, something besides a some something that that has you know has its roots in Rome. We're we're going to be missing the boat because of the statue that that Daniel saw. Now let's read that verse one more time before we go on. He says, "The beast that thou sawest was and is not." Remember, the Holy Roman Empire stopped about uh, <clears throat> eighteen eighteen two because the New World had been discovered, and there was this mad rush to get to the New World. And he says, the beast thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now the beast, we've, we've already looked at all, all these scriptures right here, plainly told us, very plainly told us, it's the end time dominant power. We, we can't make anything else out of it because these scriptures mandate that. So let's, let's keep going then. Yeah, there, there it is in all of its beauty. Something that was and is not. It's not, it's not right now, but it could very easily come back. So let's continue on with the riddle. And here's the mind which hath wisdom, says Revelation 17, 9. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And boy, does, does this one ever get hammered at him. People say, see there, it's the Holy Roman Empire that's coming back. And there's a, there's a woman sitting on seven hills and she's a harlot. It's the Catholic Church. It's the harlot Catholic Church because she's sitting on them seven mountains. And they'll, they'll swear that at you. Well, is that, is that really the truth? Let, let's find out. Let, let's look at the words. Let's look at what's said. Let's get a grip on what's actually said here and we'll begin to see that, hey, we better consider something besides the Catholic Church. Remember, these entities, this last, this end time 
uh, dominant power and Babylon are described in many places. And if all the clues, all the descriptions don't fit, guess what? You better back up and punt. You better try something else. Most folk aren't willing to admit that Babylon is talked about in many, many places in Scripture. Okay. So it says seven mountains right there. And it's the word Oros. The Thayer's lexicon. That's one lexicon. Remember that one lexicon. It says a mountain. And that's all it says. It don't, it don't indicate nothing about a hill or a mound. Well, the seven hills of Rome where she sits is, they're like mounds. They're not mountains. They're hills. Any, anybody in here been to Rome? Okay. No, no. The Navy guys here that parked in Sigonella and went up there and checked the place out. Delmer, you didn't make it there. You were in Europe. Okay. They're not mountains. They're, they're like mounds. Okay. Alrighty. Well, let's, let's just do some looking and check out this word mountain. Molten and Milligan's vocabulary of the Greek Testament is unlike most lexicons. Well, there's lexicon number two we've checked with. They are just said a mountain. It didn't say hill because it provides definitions based upon a rendering of all Koine writings that have been found. How many of you know that the New Testament was preserved for us in Koine Greek, not classical Greek? Alrighty. So we need to understand how Koine Greek was used. So he says here, uh, this Moulton Milligan is very different because it provides definitions based upon a rendering of all Koine writings that have been found. Alrighty. That's pretty important. They tell us that the typical normal usage of the word oros was mountain, but not hill. Oh my goodness. Why would that be? What what would be the the the, the reason? Why would it be used as mountain and, and not to not hill? There's a different word in the Greek for hill, and we're going to go right to scripture and find it. This is Yeshua's words. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. This is our word right here, mountains that we just looked at. Horos, right here, hills is bonos, and Strong tells us. It says it's a hillock or a hill. Thayer says a hill, an eminence, or a mound. Well, what did the angel say? He said, Oros. He didn't say Buna, did he? So just keep that in mind. We're just trying to figure out what was said now. We're not trying to jump to any conclusions, be anybody over the head yet. The most respected of the Greek lexicons of the New Testament is called the Bauer, Arndt, Gingrich, Danker, Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament and other early Christian literature. Now get a load of what they say. The word mountain refers to the original Greek word hora. The original Greek word hora. Remember we look for root words, root meaning. And if you get outside the root meaning, you, you might be getting in trouble. In other words, if you're supposed to be riding down the road in a blue van, you don't want to be riding down the road in a chartreuse van, do you? Okay. So we want, we want to understand what the root words mean. The most scholarly of Greek lexicons tells us that the word in its most basic forms refers to a large land mass. Oh my goodness, a large land man. It usually was used for mountains, but it could also refer to a desert. Oh my goodness, but never a hill. Well, it's just the opposite of our baggage that we carry with us in church, huh? That's the Roman church, and you better not say it's anything else. Well, that, you know, that we have to, we have to reason, we have to pray and reason and study our way through these things. So in this verse, so is this verse referring to the seven hills of Rome, or as we have been told, as we have been told, or as we have begun to see in the in the meanings of the word translated mountain, should we look a bit deeper? We should look a bit deeper. Let's look a little deeper. Okay, how can we nail it down right here? This very verse, this very verse that we're at, Revelation chapter seventeen. How can we nail it down here now, once and for all? Is it Rome or not? Is it? How can we do that? What's our simple little rule of thumb, Ben? If all the clues that he gives us, all the cryptic descriptions that he gives us. If it misses one of them, 
you better back up and reconsider, hadn't you? Well, I've just got them written down, written down. This is from our study we did a couple of years ago. Some of the clues about Rome. Babylon has a deep water, deep water port or ports. There's no doubt about that. It's a leading center of imports and cons- <coughs> consumption. Read Revelation chapter 18. You'll see it, it's absolutely the truth. She's also a manufacturing nation. Read Revelation chapter 18. We're, we're going to cover some of that. We're going to do it very quickly though in the next week or so. It's a center for merchandising and marketing. Read Revelation chapter 18. It becomes very clear. Jeremiah 50 is very, very plain about that. It's known as the world's policeman. In Jeremiah chapter 50, excuse me, I believe it's 51. I'm sorry. I should have had the, the references up here. Babylon is described as the hammer of the whole earth. Wow. We're, we're getting away from Vatican City a little bit, ain't we? We're beginning to vary from Vatican City. That, that you know, that, that's, Vatican City, Anybody ever been in, who else was in here in the Navy besides me? Alright. Was you in the med, Joe? Does Rome got a port? Nope. No port there. Whoa. Well, lots of other things. Let's, let's keep going now. In Revelation chapter 18, it's known as a, for its elegant, sumptuous lifestyle. Well, I'm sure there are some rich folk in, in Rome, in, in Vatican City. Pope himself, I'm sure, is very rich. It's a land of immigrants, according to Jeremiah chapter 50. And it's also a land of agriculture. Now get this. We're looking at all, every last one of the clues that's given us about this, this Babylon. It's a land of agriculture. When was the last time you saw wheat combines or corn pickers harvesting crops in Vatican City? You didn't, did you? You never will. Because Vatican City ain't Babylon. Period. It's not there. Alrighty, I thought I better put, would get the reference in on this one. It's where the world's leaders strain to meet. In Jeremiah 51 and 44, where they all come at once to get together on a regular basis. Also, Revelation chapter 17, verse 18. What's in New York City? Headquarters for the what? UN. Well, they don't, I'm sorry, they don't go to Vatican City to meet. They don't do it on a regular basis. And here's probably the, a big one. I thought it was real big in, in uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah. Her defenses reach up to outer space or way up to heaven. But God says they're still going to come down. He's going to judge Babylon. And then the last, the last thing that I thought was really big, in Jeremiah chapter 51, it says that when judgment becomes, begins to fall on Babylon, that the house of Judah and the house of Israel would walk together, walk together, walk, not drive the van or, or, you know, ride the motorboat, they would walk and weep and ask the way to Zion. So there must be some folk from the house of Israel, some Jews, you know, that, that, uh, I, I, I should have put up there the house of Judah. There must be a pretty good contingent of those folk there. Well, that ain't true in Vatican City, but it sure is true somewhere else I know called the United States, called America. Every one of these, these clues that we've given fit the United States and none of them fit Vatican City. Well, let's, let's read, reread the verse with a simple word change. Remember one of the, one of the ways that that word was used in Koine Greek was as the large landmass. The angel gives a description. Here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Let's read it like this right here. And here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven large land masses on which the woman sits. How many continents are there? Fifteen. Seven continents. Wow. Seven continents. So how can we summarize this verse up? How can we do that? Let's go over to our summary sheet real quick line. In verse 9 we see that it absolutely is not Vatican City. Because all the clues don't fit. Only one, and you have to force it to fit. 
But it is an entity that is global, worldwide, all the continents, if you please, in its influence. Wow. Boy, I bet you the United States, I bet America's got global influence, don't you? They sure do. Big time. If you, if you don't have an MP3 player, try to round you one up. If you have a computer, if you'll see me, I'll give you, I'll give you a CD and a gentleman will explain on there what's called cappers and you'll begin to see and understand by investment. We practically own the world. We dictate, we rule. And what does it say about the woman? The last verse of chapter 17 says, the, the, the woman is this great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Well, she rules over the kings of the earth. And if you'll understand this little thing, this little blurb that we will give you free about Capers, you'll see exactly how it works. And he don't say nothing about Vatican City as he, as he explains Capers. It's just not there. So please start trying to put Vatican City out of your mind. If you know any Catholic, apologize to him. Say, man, I'm sorry. I thought you guys was that, that great whore that sat on many waters. So, we say that absolutely, Rome, <coughs> that it's an end-time entity, and it's global, worldwide, and it affects all the continents. So let's go back to our, our study in chapter 17 now. All right, let's, let's continue on with this, this riddle. Now, we already know it's going to be some kind of a revived Roman Empire. We just saw, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be something that was tied to the Roman Empire, and, and we're beginning to see that, hey, it looks an awful lot like the Holy Roman Empire, which was Western Europe under, under you know, that Charlemagne started in Western Europe, and he's going to continue on with the riddle. And he, he drops little, little morsels, little crumbs for us to pick up about the woman as he's telling us about the beast. So we, we got to understand them both. He says, and there are seven kings. I've got that in red there for a real good reason. Five are fallen. One is, and the other is not yet come, and when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Well, let, let's see if that fits into what we've, we've started to say. We've started to say that because of Daniel chapter 2 and the iron and clay feed, it has to be something that's heavily tied to Rome. Well, the Holy Roman Empire is real heavily tied to Rome. We saw that it, that it was and now it is not. Well, let's see if this fits. Alrighty, but first off, let's look at a word, the meaning. The word king. The word king. And it's the Greek word basileos, and it's through the notion of a foundation of power or a sovereign. It carries with it the notion of a foundation of power or a kingdom or a family line. Yeah, that's how they look at their, that's how the Europeans look at their, their, their origins in the Holy Roman Empire. Although, you know, now everybody in Europe ain't crazy about the notion. Don't get me wrong, but there's something going to happen. We're going to get into that. That's going to, all that's going to go away real quick. We're going to do it real quick when it happens. So it's through the notion of a foundation of power or a sovereign. Okay. Let's read, let's just reread it like this. There are seven foundations of power. Five are fallen, and one is. And the other is not yet come, and when he cometh, he must continue a short faith. Well, let's see if we can find five foundations of power that have fallen. Let's go back to our Holy Roman Emperor. We see that the Saxon line has fallen. That's one foundation of power. The Franconian line has fallen. That's two. It's no more. The Hohenstaufen line has fallen. That's three. This little... Blurb here where it says rulers from various houses where they had this little, this little family shuffling, if you please, is another. Let me get my count right here. I'm, I'm losing my count. One, two, three, four. Okay. The various family lines is four. That's gone. It's forever gone. The fifth one that has fallen and it is no more is the Luxembourg line. And the last guy that was of the Luxembourg line was Sigismund, and he ruled from 1410 to 1437 over this thing called the Holy Roman Empire. And so what, now what did our riddle say? Our riddle said, 
getting a little clarification on this word basil use, there are seven foundations of power. Five are fallen. Well, how many did we just count that had fallen? Five. Well, that, that's that's we're, we're we're still within the confines of the of the riddle that's been given us over in Daniel chapter two. We're still in something that's tied to Rome. Okay. It was and it is not. Now we just saw five lines of power fall in it. And what else does the riddle say? And the other is not yet come. So when it comes back, it will be back. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Well, now it's beginning to, to take the emphasis off of these, these family lines that were, that were like kingdoms or foundations of power. And in the next verse, we're going to concentrate on the man who's going to be the focus of the whole thing called the anti-Messiah. Let's look at this clip. See if it fits. Alrighty. And the beast was, and it is not, even he is the eighth. How was the anti-Messiah referred to in Revelation 13? As a beast. Okay? It gets a little muddy, but you, if you'll just stick with it and study and pray and ask Yahweh to help you, you'll become clear. After you put enough hours into it and pray over it enough, he'll make it real clear to you. That this verse right here, the emphasis is beginning to shift from the, from that end times kingdom as a whole to an individual called the anti-Messiah. And the beast that was and is not, Remember, he apparently gets killed by this deadly head wound, and he comes back. So he was and is not, and he comes back. Even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth to perdition. Well, let's take a look. And I wish this were, I wish this were larger. I'm sorry it's not. I, if you want a copy of this, I can give you a, a CD of it. You can, of these here, uh, emperors. So, taking a look at our candidate from the House of Windsor, and the Luxembourg line, there was Charles I. And then we don't have any more Charleses show up, even though there were other kings that were named Charles, okay? But we don't have another Charles show up in the Holy Roman Empire until we get to Charles V. All righty, let's go on down. Here's Charles VI, Charles VII. Well, what did it say here? In this verse that we just read, what does it say? It says, I'm sorry, I went the wrong way. Please excuse me. The beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. So the next... Charles, if you please, it's going to be over this, uh, revived, uh, Roman, uh, Holy Roman Empire. If it is Charles, he'll be the eighth, won't he? Because I just read you, I just showed you seven of them right here. And the next one will be an eighth, wouldn't it? And he is of the seven. Let's count them. One, base of power. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's tied to all these. Gosh, that fits the riddle too, don't it? We just cracked one of the biggest riddles in scripture. Just simply by following the simplest little rule of thumb, simplest little rule of thumb, if the, if all the clues don't fit, don't use it. Do some other way. Try something else. So, we've gotten this far. We've seen that absolutely what scripture says is happening, even though it's told to us cryptically or in the form of a parable. Anybody got any questions at this point? About Thurman shut up in here. Okay. So we've, no questions. We see <coughs> that exactly as we're told in this parable that the angel gave John, just just sticking with what it says, just sticking with what Scripture says, not what commentary says, not what's popular on the Internet. Man, oh man, it, it's here right now. And this great entity, Babylon, is not the Roman Catholic Church. It's getting pretty serious, ain't it? It's getting real serious because, I'd like to quickly read you a verse, the judgment, let me, let me go over to our summary sheet real quick, like, let me just get over there. We saw that this... <sighs> Beast that represents this uh, this end time entity that the woman is burdensome to the beast. She's a burden, a liability, a threat. You please, okay? And in fact, so burdensome that in Revelation chapter seventeen sixteen she is laid waste. 
Well, boy, if I lived in Babylon, it's going to be laid waste. I'd like to know about it. Made naked or exposed, if you please. Well, I tell you what, I'd like, if I lived in Babylon, I'd sure want to know about that. Flesh is consumed. That's getting real serious, ain't it? And burn with fire. Almost sounding thermonuclear, isn't it? Yeah, it's sounding real thermonuclear. That's what it is. Anyway, we're going to prove that just beyond any shadow of a doubt. And we need to study this and be sure, be sure we know what Scripture is telling us, okay? So, I'm going to stop right here. I guess it's a good point to stop. I'm going to speed the, I've, I've taken it very slow, point by point, thought by thought. Have we got anything out of proportion? I have been meticulously slow. Because this is the point that I wanted to get to when we see what her judgment is, when we see that this beast is burdened by this woman and this judgment that comes, this is horrible. This is horrible. In, in, in Revelation chapter 18, it says that uh, she has uh, her judgment comes in one hour. At 9 o'clock in the morning, life is good. And at 10 o'clock, there's famine. There's uh, uh, dread of all kinds. There's uh, burning with fire and, and, you know, people's flesh melting and stuff like that. And it sounds serious. It is. It's very serious. So that's why I've gone so slow, just point by point. You know, just not 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 leaving one phrase or one thought uncovered, being sure that all that we say fits the the, the things that are given. So that's why I gave you all those scriptures. We read all those scriptures together. Anybody got anything to say? And maybe maybe you hate the idea of what I'm up here saying. This is an open forum. Are you saying that the woman is Babylon? Is that what you're saying? Let's see what script. Don't please consider me a pathological liar. Let's see what scripture. Can we go with what scripture says? Okay. <laughs> All right, turn with me in Revelation chapter 17, the very last verse in Revelation chapter 17, okay? Here we go. Let's read it right out of the Bible. Verse 18, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city, which reigneth over the kings of the earth. All righty? That's one clue. All righty? Now let's look. Excuse me. Let's roll back in Revelation chapter 17, that same chapter, two verse. That's a clue there. And let's get one more killer clue. In other words, it's just real definitive. We ain't gonna, there won't be no doubt about it. In Revelation chapter 17, the woman now, verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Now listen, this is the woman. <laughs> this is the woman, and upon her head was a name written, Mystery. Okay, let me just roll back where we covered it a few weeks ago. That's real, that's, cause that is laid out in a real unusual format. And I know this is shocking to a lot of people. They, it's hard to just, just, you don't want to believe it. I understand that. Alright, here we go. Verse 5 of 17. And upon her forehead, the woman, was a name written, and you remember we talked about this comma that's here and here. It's in, well, I've got those commas in red. That, that, that means that, that, this is a mystery. And so Babylon the Great is what's written on her forehead, the mother of harlots and of abominations of the earth. So yes, the woman is Babylon. The woman is the harlot. The woman is the great city that we just read about in Revelation chapter 17, verse 18. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's extremely clear. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city. So Scripture plainly tells us that, yes, the woman is the Babylon. She's the harlot. And she's doing things that are detestable. Okay, any other question? If you weren't here for the other studies, you, you're just a little, at a little bit of a disadvantage. We covered it in depth. All righty. There's no question. That's it. Oh, what? we got some questions. Who's got the mic? Frank, would you run the mic, please, sir? Thank you, sir. Harold, can you go back to that, the lineage, the seven 
To what now? The seven kingdoms. Oh, okay, Hardy. He asked me, for those of you that hear on Pal Talk, to go back to the Holy Roman Empire and the seven foundations of power. She's wanting to know the seven kingdoms again. Do what now? She's wanting to know what the seven kingdoms were. Okay. It started out right here with Charlemagne in 800, from 800 to 14, a man named Charlemagne. Basically started what's called the Holy Roman Empire. We had the Roman Empire during the time of Yeshua. It was in Rome. There's no doubt about it. But the vision that Daniel saw in chapter 2 was represented by the legs of iron. That's what, that's what it, it was that kingdom in Rome. But then Daniel saw the feet and toes of iron and clay. It's something that's related to Rome or something that comes from Rome. Because if it had been Rome, it would have been pure iron, wouldn't it? Okay. So he started what was called the Holy Roman Empire. We have the Saxon line here or the Saxon family and it's no more. It's gone. The Franconian family line and it's gone. It's not here. It's gone. The Hohenstaufen line of the family line, and it's gone. It, it, it's it's fallen. Like the like the parable that the angel said, it is fallen. Then there's this little period here where there were rulers from various houses, and this is gone because they had they had this. We'll we'll let several how you know groups do it. Well, no, we get over here and we come up to the Saxon. Excuse me, to the Luxembourg line. I'm sorry, and it's forever gone. Right now, still in place is the Habsburgs. We're still there, so it you know it the, the it fits what it, the parable it fits the parable that the angel gave, and you can't make Saudi Arabia or or Qatar or Kuwait or any of those nations fit that it won't fit. So you know don't don't try to make something fit that don't fit. Does that did that answer the question at all? Okay, alrighty. She's wanting to know. She said the Habsburg line. That's what Queen of England right now. Yes, absolutely. Started in 1436, and the first ruler they are all. Yes, the Queen of England and Charles is of that line, of the Habsburg line. Absolutely. No doubt. There was another question right here. Okay. Um, below, I believe it's the uh, Hauenstaufen line. You have a line of various families, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, at the very beginning, there is also a section of various rulers. Well, I'm this, just wondering why they're not being counted in. Well, that, that, now I'm, I'm just simply sharing this with you is the way that the Europeans look at this thing. Right. Which is amazing in and of itself because it's exactly what God gave us in the form of a parable. With it. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. But, but why, uh, they just consider these guys the founders and then the power came, then the power switched to families. Okay. So, and it, and so it came they down were through prior families. to the actual foundations. Right. right. Then. Okay. Great. Alrighty. No questions and we'll, we'll shut it down for the, but we're going to try to make, I'm going to try to make this Babylon study go a little faster, especially after tonight, because we begin to see that, you know, it definitely ain't the Catholic Church, and it looks like things could get real bad in America. So, uh, if you don't have an MP3 player, say me, or, uh, we'll try to find you one somewhere at a good price, and, uh, you need to listen to this thing about Kaffirs, because it will help you to understand how the woman, the city, as it's referred to in Revelation chapter, uh, 17 verse 18 rules it says that she rules over the kings on the cutting edge of the messianic movement solace radio will rock your faith and bring the bible alive find your savior find yeshua hamashiach and explore the whole bible and discover treasures there solace radio thanks for stopping by the solace radio community and our new youtube channel subscribe to our channel share the teaching with friends hit the like button do all the regular stuff. It helps us rise in the YouTube universe.
enabling us to reach those who need comfort and solace. Comment 2. We read all comments from the community and try and answer them in at least 24 hours. Once again, thank you for listening to the word. We pray you are blessed by the teaching you just heard. If so, check out the links in the description for more info.